and peace to you from Jesus the Christ our risen Savior and Lord Amen. Amen so what does success look like to you winning the championship over the other teams in your league in our old location there were a ton of trophies right Barbara yes <laughs> where we had won championships in dartball they're now being repurposed for the school for the blind how about checking off every item on your to-do list who does that it's a hope <laughs> it's a hope yep yep Steve raises his hand why do I not believe him? <laughs> how, about, how about getting that new job or promotion you're hoping for? Yes? Some? For me, it's making a homemade meal from scratch. Sometimes Blue Apron is a little too easy. <laughs> to James and John, Success looked like sitting next to Jesus, each on one side of their Lord, basking in his reflected glory. Whatever their imagined image, their longing for success was so strong that it overcame any reluctance they had in asking Jesus that question. At least their question success, suggests some hesitation on their part. But Jesus wisely and quite rightly responded with a question of his own. What is it you want me to do for you? Finally, they made their request. Grant us to sit one at your right hand and one at your left in your glory. And surprisingly, Jesus didn't rebuke them for their aspirations. Instead, he engaged them in conversation about the cup and baptism. Basically asking, can you really follow me through suffering and death? At this time, Jesus had already told his disciples three times about his coming arrest and execution. His last prediction of what was to come is recorded just before today's text. From their question, they were more concerned about their own future than they were for Jesus. Now, Jesus did not question their motives. He simply told them that it was not up to him who would sit where in glory. And it's the other disciples who get angry with James and John. The other disciples express no more concern than James and John about Jesus' prediction of his suffering and death. They apparently didn't understand it either. But they clearly understood James and John, right? At that time, Jesus settled their argument by saying, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. Whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you must be slave of all. 
As an example, he says, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The Greek word for serving appears twice in this verse, is found only in three other places in Mark's gospel. After Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, angels came to serve him. After Simon's mother-in-law was healed by Jesus, she got up to serve Jesus and his disciples. The women who witnessed Jesus' death are described as those who had served him by supporting his ministry. Jesus himself describes himself with the very same word. He came to serve. For Jesus, success was not sitting on a throne. Success did not mean lording it over other people who were lower on the social or economic ladder. Instead, success was serving. It looked like being the last in line instead of the first. It was being a servant. Jesus redefined success. Could you imagine what America would be like if success was measured in Jesus' terms? Heaven. Heaven. <laughs> what do you guys think? What would look different? The way we treated each other. The way we treated each other. Anybody else? Possessions more equally distributed. Yep. Yep. Somehow I don't think that corporate CEOs would be making 600 times more than their employees. Right? I look at Jim, who works in the court system, and I think, maybe it would be a little more equitable. You see, glory was not found to be sitting enthroned next to Jesus, but in following him in service. Service, by definition, is simply to do something for someone else, for God, for another person, for our church, our community, our world. It might be something as ordinary as visiting someone in the hospital. Or visiting someone and taking them a homemade casserole who's been sick or has been shut into their house. It might be as something as ordinary as working in a soup kitchen, praying for someone in need, building a house, being a teacher, or some other community service. You know, sometimes I wonder if this country was run the way Jesus would run it, Patty Featherstone would be president. <laughs> right? Imagine a world, Dick's going to kill me for this. Imagine a world where Gertie is president. <laughs> <laughs> Dick's over there going, oh, please, dear God. 
It's a simple definition. But if we're honest with ourselves, you and I both know that it's not always easy to be a servant and to put that into practice. We may talk about service and sing about service, but the truth is most of us have a hard enough time just doing the things that we need and want to do in our own lives. Our own cooking and cleaning. Thank God for Blue Apron. Taking care of our family. Going to the doctor. Running errands. How can we possibly find any more time to do anything else? How can we find time to be of service to someone else? Yet Jesus confronts us. He confronts us with the call to follow him in our hearts, with our minds, in our prayers, in our daily lives, and in serving. So how are we to become successful at service with our lives? I think to be successful, we need the healing touch of Jesus. I can't preach alone. I can't visit someone who's just been diagnosed with cancer on my own. Or at least, if I do it on my own strength, I know it won't last long. Twice this year, I've had to tell counsel, I can't do it. I need a month off from pastoral care. Can I tell you how much joy I'm getting from having Alec serve with me. I sat at this retreat earlier this week and literally ideas were just blossoming out of my head because I knew that I had someone I could bounce these things off from. And I predict that you're going to see a lot more lively worship in this room than we have before. I will confess that I have become lethargic. I knew it wasn't going to last long. I can't bring the compassion of Jesus to others unless I've first been touched by Jesus myself. And he would be in shock when I say that Alec has brought the love of Jesus, the healing of Jesus to me. And that's true of all of us. Without the touch of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, We'll all get frustrated, <coughs> right? Tired, burned out. The old needle can only pull so much in that cart, isn't it? For instance, alone, alone. Where's Lee and Jamie? Where's Melissa? Where's John Hedge? 
Where's half of us on any given Sunday? So successful living is more than just Jesus and me and feeling good about life. We're not meant to receive the touch of Jesus only for ourselves, though. To be successful at service, we need the touch of Jesus, and we also need to move on to the next step. Simon Peter's mother-in-law didn't continue to lie in bed thinking about how wonderful it was to be healed by Jesus, did she? She didn't just think about serving. She responded with service. For Jesus, serving was only part of who he was. The Gospel of John that we hear on Monday, Thursday, focuses our attention on the foot washing part. We all know that by heart, right? By rote. But just before Jesus washes their feet, John 13-3 says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, then he got up from the table, washed his disciples' feet. Jesus served because he knew he had come from God and was going to God. So what do we all have in common with Jesus? Where did we all come from? I can't hear you. Same place. God, thank you. We need to get more Baptists up in here. <laughs> and where are we all going? To God, yes. He served out of a sense of who he was. For Jesus, serving did not come out of guilt. It didn't come out of low self-esteem. It didn't come because other people expected it. It did not come because he needed to win the approval of others. For Jesus, serving came out of knowing who he was. And really, there's no difference between Jesus the human and us. Lutherans believe that Jesus was fully human and fully God. Jesus, the fully human, was no different than Steve Imhoff. I'll get my, I'll get my mind wrapped around that in a moment. <laughs> Jesus, the human, was no different from Diane and Carol. Jesus was no different than a visitor that might be sitting in the back row of this room. So my hope for your service and my service, that service will come out of knowing that we, who we are in relationship with. We are in relationship to God with and through Jesus Christ. I pray that we will be so empowered to serve because we've been touched by Jesus and that we are ready to respond to Jesus' call. You must come and follow
hopefully all of God's people said.